If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Hey, good morning, Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our locations. It's so great to have you with us this morning. Can I just tell you, God is doing exciting things in our church. This is an exciting time where I feel like God is building some momentum and he's doing some exciting things. We've got new people coming through the doors of our church. We've got people coming to Christ. The last few Sundays, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about many of you because you've told me. You've told me by by what you've said on social media. You've told me in messages to me and just face to face. Wow. This is some powerful stuff we've been hearing the last few weeks in the life of our church. So we're in this series called Redemption. And again, I I know it might sound like a broken record, but I just want to make this case because it's really the, the main point of this whole series. We serve a God who loves to write stories of redemption. And you might be wondering, well, what does that even mean? What is redemption? Uh, Redemption, I I keep saying, it's, it's something that although we might not find it easy to define, we know it when we see it. We know the stories of redemption when we experience them in our life. Redemption is when God rescues us. Redemption is when God steps into our stories in ways that only he could to buy us back to himself, to make things right again in our life. And we serve a God who loves to redeem his people. And ultimately, the greatest story of redemption comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ after he defeated the power of sin and death and hell on the cross of Calvary. And he rose again from the grave. The resurrection is our redemption. And because of that, we serve a God who can play out stories of redemption in much, much smaller ways, but powerful ways in our life. And so in this series, it's been kind of fun just to sit back and listen to stories from people that I've introduced you to as they have shared how God has been working in their lives. So today, I want to introduce you to a new friend of mine. I I met Christian last year. You're going to hear from a guy by the name of Christian Stokes, who I met just this kind of random thing. I was working with the fire department one morning. We we were serving at a veteran's breakfast and uh, just kind of milling around with the guys, having conversation, thanking our veterans for their service to our country. And I saw this guy walking in, and there was just something in me saying, go talk to that guy. He's got a story. Go hear his story. So I sat down next to Christian at breakfast and just got to hear him share what God had been doing in his life. And I thought, whoa, I've got to share his story with my church family. And so I want to invite you to sit back and check out Christian's story. January 15th, um, I actually returned home January 15th of 2009 from Iraq, um, my last tour of duty. And I had this thing in my mind of being free and what I wanted to do to be free. I had always thought after being in the military, I was invisible and um, I had all the answers and everything. Well, I kind of grew up in the church and Growing up in the church, I had learned quite a few different things, and at some point I knew that God was going to grab me and change my life. My moment of freedom thing was a motorcycle, and I wanted to actually ride a motorcycle. I thought I was one of the guys, one of the cool guys, you know. And um, had just bought a house and ended up buying a Kawasaki ZX-6R636 and some new tires. And I remember getting on the highway one day with a bunch of the guys riding with a motorcycle group, and um, the bike speed wobbled. I lost control of the front end of the bike. Tires kind of shook and handlebars kind of tank slapped, you know. And when I grabbed and regained control of the bike and slowed down, I was actually slingshotted across the highway doing about 70 miles an hour. 
I had on my helmet, um, a jacket with the spine and the elbow pads and knee pads and things like that. I had on Kevlar coated jeans. I had on my matching tennis shoes at the time, so I, I thought I was the guy. And um, being thrown from the left hand shoulder to the complete right shoulder of the side of the highway, I ended up uh, with uh, blood on my brain in four spots, pneumonia. I lost about 65 pounds from a medically induced coma. Um, I was in a medically induced coma for 24 and a half days. They put a uh, plate and six screws with surgery in my arm here. The bone actually popped out of the socket and then broke in half, never protruded the skin or anything, so they cut it open and they put a plate there. Um, I fractured three ribs, overexcelled my heart, and paralyzed my left side completely. When I woke up one day, I'm there, and the doctor looked at me, and he said, uh, he said, hi. I said, well, hi. And he said, you know, you're a traumatic brain injury now. And I said, so what does that mean? He said, you won't be normal. Um, you won't ever be smart enough to go to school. You won't ever be an athlete. Your career with the Army's over. Um, your mom might have to take care of you like a baby for the rest of your life if the blood doesn't come off your brain. So I looked over, and I saw a wheelchair. And he said, yeah, that's yours. You can't walk or talk either. You lost the ability to do quite a bit. So my mom picked me up and she put me in a wheelchair and she kind of wheeled me around. And I heard people crying and heard people screaming. You know, I heard people going through certain delusions and different things. And I constantly told her that I was not like them, even though I was on about 15 different pills a day um, and going through therapy and things that I don't even remember for the first month of therapy. Until one day the therapist came to my room and I told my mom that she was kind of hot and, you know, we kind of went from there. My dad was there also. And my dad kind of, he kind of experienced a little bit of the uh, the truths behind the brain injury and what he saw and what others didn't see, you know. And um, I think in that moment when I woke up and they told me, okay, you're a dr traumatic brain injury. And I finally got the grasp of what that meant and what they meant as far as like normalcy and as far as being a normal person and that my brain was damaged. Um, they ended up telling me that my brain could be damaged for the rest of my life and that's how I would function. I didn't really grab it until one day we had to go outside and we had to do some walking, some training. And as we're doing this training, the physical therapist just kind of looked at me. He was a stubborn guy, and I was pretty stubborn at the time. You know, Army sergeant, brain injury, those kind of things, tough. You know, got to be tough and got to be strong, got to survive kind of thing. Um, I challenged him every day. Hey, man, let's get up. Let's go walk. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. And um, he said, okay. So I remember one day walking from my room about a quarter of a mile down the hallway down three flights of stairs. I cried at the bottom of the stairs to the city library about three blocks away, back to the hospital, back up all those stairs, back to the room. I cried. I realized at that point that, okay, I was strong enough, but I had no understanding of what I was doing or where I was going or why I was even there. Um, I got back to the bedroom before I got back to the bedroom, I just kind of stood there against the wall. and The physical therapist just kind of stood me there, and then he rolled out a wheelchair, and he sat me down. And this is when I knew something was changing, that God kind of had something going on, and he was in the mix of this whole thing. 
Mind you, I said I grew up in the church, so there was a lot of things going on there. But when he got control of the issue or the situation, I knew because it was a whole different strength at that moment. My mom comes out of the room and my mom is crying. And the physical therapist said, watch this. So he comes over to me and he gets me up. Well, when he gets me up out of the wheelchair, he puts his hand down the back of the wheelchair and I hear a voice say, hey, Lazarus, move. And I got up on my own will, but I wasn't picking me up. I didn't feel my weight. I was just picked up. I walked down the hall. It was the first time my mom had seen me walk in probably about two, three months. And from that day on, we walked everywhere we went. When I got home, I finally got out of the hospital, transitioned out of the hospital. And it was kind of a sad moment. I mean, I learned everything. I've been here with these people. But I'm understanding something now. They're not going to recover like I am. So the first thing in my mind came to do was uh, pray. You know, pray for those people. Somebody pray for you. Somebody pray for me. A lot of people pray for me. So I started to pray for those people. And um, I found myself at a point to where I didn't know what to do. My career with the Army is over now after 13 years. I'm sitting at home. I'm bored. But one thing that they did that they kind of did me a favor with is they doubted me. And it wasn't that I had to prove anything to anybody because God already had me. But it was that I had to prove it to myself. So I constantly asked my dad. He came. He retired early. He came and stayed with me. Um, Everybody in the family at that point had just kind of gave up on me. My friends had kind of gave up on me. They said if I woke up any different from the brain injury that they wouldn't know how to treat me. They wouldn't know how to be around me. Um, My family, uh, there were some issues about who I would sue and stuff like that and the money that was coming out of this and it didn't come. So God was picking me up and moving me in other ways. You know, I went back to school. They said I wouldn't be smart enough. I ended up getting a 3.6 GPA my first semester studying physical therapy. School got kind of boring. But some things in school that actually helped me out was uh, my first trainer. It's Vanya Vork, Mr. Triceps 1970. He saw me one day that I was depressed and anxious and um, told me to stay in the weight room. And that was going to change things for me and for my life. And that was God not only making me stronger, but that was God moving in and using the person. And I listened. So I kept eating. I kept going to the weight room. I kept doing my thing beyond the brain injury. And I had no idea what was going on. A lot of times I had no idea how I was going to make it, even through school, doing homework and stuff like that, and having to remember and having gone through all the symptoms, depression, anxiety, um, memory loss, all of that. I'm focusing on, okay, God has me in this moment, and let's go. A few weeks later, I walk into the to the World Gym there in Shawnee, Kansas, and um the guy said to me, he said, hey, you're a nice-looking guy. I said, well, thank you. I like girls. And he said, you're uh, a good-looking guy. You got a nice body. And I said, well, hey, yeah, thanks, guy. I don't, I don't know why you're telling me that, but okay. And he said, um, you should be a bodybuilder. And I said, no, man, I'm not going out on stage in my underwear. You know, that's not, you know, that's not, that's not cool. That's not, I got morals. You know, I got, I'm better than that. And he said, no, man, you could do it in your swim trunks. It'll be okay. You, you could just do this in your swim trunks, man. You, you'll be fine. You'll be great at it. So I thought nothing of it, and I decided to walk out of the gym, man. And um, I was being stubborn. As I started to walk out of the gym, God said to me, he said, hey, wait a minute. 
you ain't going to school because they said you wouldn't go to school. You're going to school because I got you there and you're smart enough to go. But they said you wouldn't be an athlete and I got you in the gym lifting weights so you're strong enough to go. And um, I started thinking about how I felt leaving the gym. I wasn't depressed anymore. I wasn't anxious anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't bitter and I wasn't down and out. And not only was God building me because I was at home building my strength with reading my Bible and getting into a devotion every day, but I was also seeing what God was doing for me. So that was propelling me to just keep moving forward. I met a trainer at the gym and we trained for the first six weeks. I didn't like him at all. Um, I really didn't like the guy. Went to church the following Sunday and met my trainer's daughter. And I thought, man, God is really working in my favor. This is a this is a beautiful young lady. And it wasn't necessarily that. Um, she said, you need to meet my mother. And I said, who is she? And she said, my mom works directly with the North American Natural Body Building Federation. And this is something I want you to look into. You look like you lift weights. And I said, okay, thanks. Um, met her mom. And in six weeks, me and Mindy Gorick actually took fifth place natural bodybuilder. And I told her before I went out to the stage, I said, look, the Lord put you in my life. We met at church. This couldn't have been any more destined, you know. Um, you're part of this thing. And what I want to take to the stage is not just me with my shirt off. I want to take to the stage what God has done for my life and what God is rebuilding and what God is doing for me. I was trying to find a, stand, a, a biblical standpoint and a principle behind it and a principle behind why, because I had always learned that growing up, especially being in church. If you're going to do something, at least see what the Lord is doing in it and then put, put a, a reason behind why and go to the Bible with it and see how it works out. And... Um, I found all these different Bible verses about building your body and building your strength and how your body's the temple. And I always thought to myself, you know, what does that look like? When I get in front of God, I don't want him to see the, you know, the cupcakes and the ice cream. I want him to kind of see, you know, I want to look like David. What did he look like fighting Goliath? What did, what did Moses look like on that ship, you know? Um, what did those boys look like in that fire furnace? And those are the things I kind of thought about and what God was doing for me as far as restoring me. And it wasn't just my mind, my body and my soul and my spirit. It was my flesh also. And the strength that I was gaining from that was kind of like, okay, well, he saved me in so many ways. And when my family and everybody left, one of the big things was, okay, I'm alone. God has shown me that I was never alone. I was going to be used for something. Um, I was going to do something. I was going to reach out. I was going to inspire the people. And as he's molded me and we've come through these steps of I was 28 years old when the accident happened. I'm 36 now, but I've matured so much on the, in that path. I've, I have people coming on there telling me that they're inspired, they're touched. Um, and I say, you know what? It's all God. If, if God didn't change the man I was and make me the man that I am today. By using a brain injury or by using weights. God said he knew us in our mother's womb and he had it all figured out and written. This is my story because that's how he wrote it. So every day that I go on now, I just look at the things that are happening in my life, those days that I have doubt or the day that I don't like it like that or I wish it was this way. And I find God in it, man. And I say, man, you know, what? God was redirecting me or God was moving me here. or God was moving me there. Hey, dad, look. God is doing this. And now it's not the talks of, hey, dad, I got to go play. I got to go play golf with Tiger Woods, you know, and having a brain injury and going through those symptoms of, of delusion and those kind of things of um, of doubt that were holding me back.
I see God in it and I keep moving forward with it. My dad says, as long as God is in it, he'll tell you what to say. You know, that's where my life has been and that's what my life is about now. You know, what can I do and how can I be an instrument for God? Is that in the weight room? Maybe, but one thing that I want to do and one thing that I want to like point out, God gave us everything that we wanted. Sin created a lot of different things. Who can we be with what God gave us? You know, so when I think about my fitness plan and my fitness level and things like that, that God has pushed me to. Maybe God is saying, take care of my people, show my people how to eat, show my people how to be healthy, show my people how to be wise, show my people that, you know what, I'm still hearing miracles are every day. Miracles aren't just Bible stories. Miracles are what God does in our lives every day. And sometimes we just clearly miss it. I'm a walking, talking, breathing miracle. And, and there was a point where I doubted people even saying that to me. But I know now that, you know what, God had, a, had his hand on me. This isn't me. This, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't 185 pounds of muscle. I wasn't ready to go on the stage. I wasn't, that's not the guy that laid down. That's not the guy that was ready to die. That's not the guy that went to Iraq. I'm a totally different man now. And if it wasn't for God, I won't be this man at all. So Our stories may not be alike, but your story can still touch the heart and mind of somebody in the soul of somebody, in the spirit of somebody. I got saved April 15, 1995. I was nine years old. I'm 36, man. Train up a child in the ways you grow. Well, I got trained and I'm coming back. When you're going through whatever you're going through, and you, go and you have the doubts in your mind, get down on your knees, pray. Stay strong in your prayer. Continue to walk in that light. Do not turn around. I remember I was reading a story about... Um, about Sodom and Gomorrah. And at the end of that, and he's talking a lot. And he said, don't turn around, you turn the pillars of salt. Sometimes we do that in life. We get in our situations, and we turn around, we look at our situation, evaluate the situation, our, our attitude gets salty. Keep going straight, like a horse with blinders on, and you won't get salty about the situation. And know that and understand and trust enough to have faith to know that God is with you, and that God will carry you through, and God will help you make it through. For a long time, you know, I sat and I contemplated a lot of different things. What could I be doing? What is my will? What is my way? But it wasn't me. I had to really understand and, and go down to the point of, okay, this is God. And what is God doing in my life? When I started taking God with me every day, when I started making God the reason why, that's what made the difference in my life. It's the same God that picked me up and took me from a wheelchair, cast on my arm, a brain injury, and I still live with that every day. But I got a good doctor, man. My neurosurgeon is amazing. He's like top notch. I'm not worried about anything. Because I know where it all comes from. Wow, I want to thank Christian for just being vulnerable and, and sharing his story of what God has done in his life. And, uh, you know, as I'm listening to Christian share his story, there's kind of three major themes that, that stood out to me that I, as kind of like a tour guide through his story, I want to point these out to you. I mean, I'm sure there's other things we could draw out. But number one, there's, here's the theme that I want to share with you is this. We serve a God who can do the impossible. 
Like you heard Christian in his story talk about how the doctors and the experts all said, man, this is impossible. You're never going to be back to normal. You're never going to be healthy again. And Christian would tell you, I'm more than normal, if, if there is such a thing. I'm more than healthy th- than I was before. God does the impossible. Let me just share one scripture with you. Uh, Matthew nineteen twenty six. I love this verse. It says, Jesus looked at them and he said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, to, to be fair, that, that verse is not in the context of physical healing. So uh, at, at the risk of someone saying, well, you're taking that verse out of context. Okay, it's not in the context of Jesus healing someone. It's more in the context of salvation, to be honest. But here's what I want to say is that that principle applies to any circumstance. The moment God steps into a story, all things become possible. Nothing is impossible. And Christian bears that, that theme in his life of God's ability to step into a really bad situation and bring the impossible to possible. And I love that about our God. Here's another theme that I want to share with you. Number two, prayer works. I hope that as we're going through this redemption series and every one of these stories, I hope you're noticing that these people are sharing. There was a time in my life when I was going through something very difficult and there was a lot of prayer involved in that. And we serve a God who hears and answers our prayers. Psalm 30, verse 2, the Bible says, Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. Guys, we serve a God who not only hears us when we pray, he answers prayer. And he has the power to bring healing into our life. And he can change things, even when it looks impossible. He can change that and he can heal situations. And I love that about Christian's story, that God healed him physically. But here's the third theme that I want to share with you. That, that I, I would not be doing my job as a pastor if I didn't draw this greater theme out of Christian story. And that is this. Number three, God heals physical and spiritual diseases. God is capable of healing far more than just traumatic brain injuries. God has the ability to heal our greatest disease ever, and it's the sin in our life. And Christian bears testimony to that. That he has been healed by God, not just physically, but spiritually as well. One last scripture that I want to share with you. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. David writes these words. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in, within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he's going to start labeling some of his benefits. Who Look at this phrase, who forgives all your iniquity. The word iniquity is, is also a way of saying sin. That we serve a God who forgives our sin. He can deal with our sin problem. He goes on to say, who heals all your diseases. We serve a God who can heal diseases, physical and spiritual. He goes on to say, who redeems your life from the pit. Do you know what that means in Scripture when you read the, the word pit, when they talk about going down to the pit? Sometimes they'll talk about going down to the grave. Sometimes they'll, like, they'll use the word, the Hebrew word, sheol. Like, it's, it's hell. You've redeemed my life from hell. 
You've redeemed my life from death. That is the God we serve, friends. We serve a God of redemption that has made it possible for us to be bought back from the eternal separation from him that we all deserve because of our sin. He goes on to say, you, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, we serve a great God. We serve a good God who's loving and merciful and he's a healer. And he can do the impossible and he hears us when we pray and he answers our prayers and he can heal not just the physical ailments and, and stuff in our life physically. He can heal our greatest need beyond anything else. It's our spiritual need. I've got a question I just want to pose to my church family this morning. And anyone listening, regardless of which location you're in and wherever you're joining us from, I wonder, am I speaking to anybody this morning that you are in need of God's healing touch in your life? Do you know someone in your life that's in need of God's healing touch? And maybe you would say, yes, there's this physical thing, there's this cancer, there's this disease. Or maybe you would say, I I need healing, but John, it's not a physical problem I'm struggling with. I need God's healing in the area of my spiritual well-being, my soul. I'm not right with God. I don't even know what it is to have this relationship with God that I hear so many people talk about. I've got great news that I want to share with you this morning. There's a God in heaven who loves you. And he gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this earth and to live a perfect, sinless life and to go to the cross and to give his life as a ransom for you and for me. His blood was poured out. His body was broken. And his death on the cross was deemed by the Father in heaven as good enough of a payment for my penalty of my sin and your penalty of your sin. And that God in heaven extends grace and mercy and forgiveness to anyone who would receive it by faith, by believing in and calling upon the name of Jesus for salvation. That is where ultimate redemption happens. That is where ultimate healing takes place. Because what good is it if if we trust God to heal a physical disease in our body and yet we don't let him heal the the greatest need in our life, the spiritual need? And so in just a moment, as I close in a word of prayer, I'm just inviting anyone listening to this. If I'm speaking to someone that would say, John, I... I need to be touched by the Lord in my life in a deep place in my soul. I need spiritual healing. I want to challenge you as I close out in a word of prayer that that you would just call on the name of Jesus for salvation for your own soul. Lord, please forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. And if you're in need of physical healing, I want to tell you about this real quick before I close in prayer. Last week we were supposed to do this. We were going to go outside after our services and all of our campuses and we were going to do a a balloon launch and then like the weather just said no last week. South Dakota was cold and rainy. Peoria was raining and flooding. Jamaica, it never does anything bad weather-wise. It's always sunny. That's not really true. But anyway, we canceled it last week. But here's what, let me just say it again in case you missed last week. Here's what's going to happen in all of our locations. Is that when we walk out of the doors of our campus, you're going to be handed a balloon, a helium balloon. And there's a little tag on the bottom of that balloon. For the past two weeks now, we've been collecting names on social media. We've been having people from all over share names of people, whether it's themselves or whether it's someone they know that is in need of healing. 
and you have an opportunity on that little tag, you might find someone's name is already written there. That's possible. And, and, uh, but you're encouraged to write on that as well. There's a place for you to write the name or multiple names of someone in your life that's in need of healing. It can be your own name. That's not selfish. That's okay if you're like, John, I need healing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go outside in all of our locations, and we're going to do this little balloon launch. And there's nothing mystical or sacred or, you know, whatever about, about the balloons we're releasing. It's just balloons. It's just a visual representation of the spiritual power that's behind that when God's people come together in agreement and we lift before the Lord the names of all of these people that we're asking God to heal. And so I would challenge you as I'm closing in prayer, if you would say, God, would you just bring to mind some people in my life? Who are some people that I could write their names down? Who do I need to be praying for, for healing in my life? That's, that's what we're getting ready to do next. And then finally, before I close in a word of prayer, I just want to say this. If there's someone that maybe you're kind of new to our church and you're wanting to know how to get more involved, or if there's something specifically we can help you with, I just want to tell you about our connection card. It would be really sad if you came to church and we missed an opportunity to connect with you. And so through this connection card that's available on all of our campuses, you can share with us anything you want to share with us. If you made a decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today, we want to know about that decision. If you're interested in taking a step of faith, of being baptized or whatever, like you can tell us that about that decision. If you have a special prayer need, you can share that through this. If you want to get involved and serve in the life of our church, the connection card is the way to do that. And we would love to follow up with you and serve you in any way that we can. And so I don't want to miss an opportunity to invite you to take that next step of getting involved in the life of our church. Well, let me close us out with a word of prayer, and then we're going to move into this time of this, this cool little balloon launch and just lift these names, many, many names that we're going to be lifting before the Lord in prayer for healing to the God who can do the impossible, who hears and answers prayers, and he hears, heals not only physically, he heals spiritually as well. Let's talk to that Lord right now. God in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Christian story. Lord, it's just powerful to see and hear what you've done in the lives of other people. And I don't know, Lord, I think sometimes when we see it happening in someone else's life, it might give us a lens to realize how you're working in our own life. And might you help us to believe you for our own redemption stories. God, I thank you that you love each and every person in the sound of my voice this weekend and that you truly do want to redeem them. And you want each and every one of us to know what it is to walk in your redemption. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. That right now they would be calling upon your name for salvation. And and then take the next step of sharing that decision with someone else, letting us know, today I invited Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, these names that we're getting ready to go outside and lift before you symbolically through this balloon launch, you know the details. To us, in many cases, it's just a name on a piece of paper. We don't even know many of these people, and we certainly don't know the deep details of their life. But God, you see everything. And you know intimately every single name, every single person, every single story we're getting ready to lift before the throne of heaven. And I pray that we'd just have great weather in all of our campuses and that we would just be able to have this moment where visually we remember this is powerful when God's people lift before the throne of heaven the names of those that are in need of healing. Lord, I pray that you would use this church and the ministry of this church 
to point others to yourself who you alone, Lord, have the ability to heal, not just physical needs, but spiritual needs. You will get all the praise and the honor and the glory for how you work in our church this weekend and beyond, Lord Jesus. We love you. It's in your mighty name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. You can listen to more past messages at therescuechurch.com.